Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening to the podcast and as well as watching it on YouTube. Thank you for making this podcast part of your routine as I'm happy to be back here with you second consecutive um, day of recording the podcast to share with you the Boston sports fan as this podcast is literally all about Boston sports. It's all about Boston sports and what's happening in Boston in the best sports city in the world. Now, right now, the best team in the NBA happens to play in the best sports city in the world. That's the Boston Celtics. But even when things are going seemingly well for the Boston Celtics, you can't get too comfortable, right? Right. When things are going as great as they have been for the Celtics in terms of just the wins and losses, you can't find fault in it, right? I'd say that you can still find fault and that there's still issues in my opinion when it comes to the Celtics team sure the Boston Celtics are an absolute wagon right now sure this is a Celtics team that right now they are on top of the Eastern Conference by four and a half games over Milwaukee at 37 and 11 I get all of that that's nice they won two in a row they're 22 and two at home yet I, for one, still have concerns over what I see with this Boston Celtics team. What I see with this Boston Celtics team is is an area in which that I think it can be exposed potentially in the Eastern Conference by a Milwaukee, by a Philadelphia even by, dare I say, the New York Knicks, who are, by the way, the hottest team in the NBA right now, having just won eight in a row. Here's what I saw last night that I found to be problematic. I thought that there were moments in times, especially in the second half, in the third quarter most notably, was that the Pacers... They were a lot more aggressive along the boards. They had 19 rebounds, offensive rebounds, that is. They had 19 offensive rebounds on the night. And they beat the Celtics 32 to 6 in second chance points. I have a problem with that because I have consistently talked about the need for a big man and the need for someone to be able to crash the boards. And I'm not talking about experimenting with Jason Tatum, putting him at the center position when Al Horford is not not on the court. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a bona fide center who can crash the boards and someone that could be a big help for this team, especially on the offensive rebound, because Despite the fact that the Pacers are still a few few years away from being legitimate contenders, they're still a playoff team. 
they're still good enough to make the playoffs, even though they, they just recently acquired Pascal Siakam, formerly of the Toronto Raptors. And I think that, especially considering that Siakam, by the way, last night was a big factor in, in last night's game against the Celtics. Siakam, for example, he had 23 points and six rebounds. And by the way, out of six rebounds, four of them were offensive rebounds. And the Celtics had no answer in terms of getting those, those, those second-chance opportunities, not allowing the Pacers to get those offensive rebounds. And that's why I want to focus on that tonight, and I want to talk about the, some of the issues that I saw in this game as it pertains to the Boston Celtics, and that was, number one, offensive rebounding. Second-chance points, the Pacers won that battle, 32-6. to six. If the Celtics are going to play a much more physical team in the NBA playoffs, whether it be the New York Knicks, the Sixers, or Joel Embiid, who can kill you, whether it be in the paint or especially from the long range, yeah, that kind of match could be problematic. And the thing that I find to be most particularly striking about this game is that the Celtics, they have had no answer whatsoever in terms of having someone on this roster who can grab your offensive rebounds and generate those second-chance opportunities to score. They don't have that right now. Is this a team that is filled with scorers? Absolutely, yes. Is this a team that can get you offensive rebounds when you need it? No, that worries me because when you look around the league, you look around the East most particularly, I see an Eastern Conference that is getting better, that is getting a bit more stiffer in terms of competition, and a team, in my opinion, or two, I should say, that's going to get even better as the season gets moves along. And I'm talking about the New York Knicks, who right now, ever since they've gotten OG Anunoby from the Toronto Raptors, they've caught fire. They've won eight in a row, and they've become one of the hottest teams in the NBA, and they're playing with a world of confidence led by their scorer and their and, and their all-star Jalen Brunson. And even though they're going to be without um, Julius Randle for a little bit, this is a team that still showed a lot of resolve and a lot of poise. And then the Pacers, that even though they, they're a few years away from being legitimate possible championship contenders, but they look far more complete of a team with Pascal Siakam. And you saw that last night in the Celtics 129 to 124 win over the Pacers. That worries me. The Eastern Conference playoff teams are getting better. The Celtics are not necessarily getting worse, but in the one area in which that they need to completely get better at, I feel like they're getting worse. And it's going to be imperative on Brad Stevens the president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics to do something about that at the trade deadline. 
because you don't want this to become a reoccurring theme. You don't want this to become a problem, especially once the playoffs begin in April. And then also, as pertains to the Celtics, the thing that I also found interesting, the second thing I found interesting, after the offensive rebounding flaws that was furthermore exposed in last night's game, is the fact that Joe Muzula, and I talked about it on the previous podcast, that he's trying to change the narrative of this team, you know, playing with a sense of entitlement to own, um, like coasting to wins and so forth. But what I found interesting is this. Christoph Porzingis, he said something interesting last night in, during, the, during the post game. I want to read you the quote. He said, quote, when he said that, I saw that on Twitter. Obviously, I didn't play last game. But when he said that, that was so on point, I couldn't agree more. Like, we are really good, and we can win games without being 100% locked in. I'm going to stop right there. We can win games without being 100% locked in. That, my friend, lies within the problem. You cannot wait until you get to the playoffs to be 100% locked in because I'm a firm believer that when you begin to practice bad habits, it gets harder and harder to shake them off. When you're not 100% locked in and focused the way you should be focused because it came up again last night in the second half when the Celtics' 20-point lead um, basically disappeared against the Pacers, it gets harder and harder to shake off those bad habits. So while Chris Aprazingas can sit here and talk about how this is a team that could win, even though they're not 100% locked in, I don't think that's necessarily something to be proud of. I think that's something to be prob problematic because as we all know in sports, especially in the NBA, any team can got gotten on any given night. We know that. We've seen that time and time again. But what we also know is that when you're not mentally focused, razor focused as you should be, regardless of the opponent, when you're not getting those offensive rebounds as you should, and you're not getting those second chance points as you should, which, which will help you, little things begin to become bigger issues. And when it becomes a bigger issue, it gets harder to shake it off, especially when it comes time for when it matters most, a.k.a. the NBA playoffs. So with Pazingas saying that in the postgame last night, it got me thinking. If you can win constantly without being locked in 100%, does that mean that you should win the NBA championship outright, regardless of regular season or postseason, without being 100% locked in? Because this is the equivalent of, of you saying that I can get straight A's without studying. Oh, congratulations. Here's a harder test for you. And you take that test and you don't, you don't do as well as you'd hope. Because you allowed yourself to become the NBA's version of Icarus. If you don't know that Greek mythology reference, go look it up. You don't want the Celtics to become Icarus. They get so high and they're on top of the NBA standings that they start flying too close to the sun and their wings begin to burn off. You don't want that. 
that could be really problematic before you even get to the second season in the NBA. Coming up next, I want to talk about a particular player on the Boston Bruins that was rated overrated. I like to talk about that for a little bit. That and much more coming up here on the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights, here with you. Um, here with you to do another episode of the Hub of Champions on a, on a consecutive day basis. Did one last night, was released on Wednesday morning, doing one tonight, and this one will be released shortly after the conclusion of this recording as well. So there was a story, or should I say a tweet? Well, a story and a tweet, you could say, but really more of a really more of a story that was published in the athletic so the athletic did a poll surveying like i think it was an nhl survey and the question was who is the most overrated player in the league in the nhl other came in 26.73 percent other literally but the players that were named Guess who came in number one? Trevor Zegras. Number two is Darnell Nurse. Number three, Matthew Kachuk. Number four, Jason Robertson. <laughs> I think it's a, it's pretty much a joke. But the other that came in at 26.73%, which led all of the vote share, by the way, but who did that other include? Hmm, let me read off some names for you. You ready for this? Brady Kachuk, Brock Bozer, Chris Kreider, David Posenock. Wait, wait, hold up. David Posenock? Overrated? Overrated player in this league. I'm sorry. I like to know who who put in these votes. Was it fans or other players? That's number one. Because if it was fans, fans are truly not as smart as they think they are. If they are truly going to put down that David Pasternak is among the most overrated players in the league. By the way, the the other the other category in which that um that included other active NHL players, the the list is much longer than that. But the name that really stood out was Boston Bruins winger David Pasenak. Let's talk about it, shall we? Because what I find to be comical about that and Pasenak being among that group of players in the NHL to be in that overrated category is that last season Pasenak scored 61 goals, which is the second highest total of the past decade. And you want to know who he only trailed? There's only one player he trailed. Connor McDavid. Stop me if you've heard that before. And then, by the way, since he entered the NHL in 2014-15, and I remember his debut against the Philadelphia Flyers during the 2014-15 season, Pasadak is number three in the NHL in goal score behind, guess who? Alex Ovechkin, number one. And number two, 
Austin Matthews. And oh, by the way, he leads the league currently with 248 shots. So I like to know for the life of me, how exactly is David Pasenak over overrated? Because right now, Pasenak is undoubtedly one of the best pure goal scorers in the NHL. And what makes this even more particularly impressive is this, is that it's, he's not just dangerous in one area of the ice. He's dangerous on the five-on-five. Five. He's dangerous on the power play. And he's getting better and better and better offensively. And to give you an actual example, Remember that January 4th game the Bruins played against the Pittsburgh Penguins? The same day in which that the Bruins, unfortunately, they got their doors blown off at TD Garden. That second period goal that he had, in which that he pulled the puck off the, off the boards, he found Morik and Geeky on the other side of the offensive zone, then... Pasenak somehow, someway, and I didn't, and I didn't even fully realize this until after the fact. Pasenak is one hell of a passer as well. He threads a pass, a rink-wide pass at that, through the sticks of Krista Tang, who, by the way, is one of the best defensemen of this generation, and Lars Eller, a pretty damn good center in his own right. By the way, Morgan Geeky scored right off the rush on that play. Like. Pasenak can can not only just score goals, he knows how to thread great passes to find his line mates, a skill that I am certain that he learned and picked up from playing alongside Patrice Bergeron as his center at one point in his career, and as well as, let's not forget, David Krejci, who he played with last season, one of the most underrated centers to play for the Boston Bruins. But yet, somehow, David Pasenak is listed as overrated. I like to know who is smoking what strand of weed so I can actually de like detect the potency of that weed. Is it strong or is it weak with stupidity? Because Pasenak, I mean, the numbers are the numbers, the stats are the stats. But if you watch the games, you know that Pasenak is a top five goal scorer in the league right now. But yet, somehow, he's Ranked as overrated. And here's what's, here's what's funny. Pasenak right now, in after 49 games, he's averaging 2.40 assists per 60 minutes, and that's per natural stat trick. And that's the highest that he's ever had in his career. So it's not just only the goal scoring that, obviously, Pasenak has long since become pretty prolific at is this ability to pass the puck and to create scoring opportunities for his linemates. And I'm, I'm sure that's something that's not being talked about enough. Why? I don't know. But it needs to. I've given him grief about him turning over the puck, and, and that's been warranted at times, yes. But this year, He's not only just impressive with the scoring, but it's also his ability to pass a puck, being able to find um, passing lanes even through the tightest of windows. I mean, 
How often do you see that? And that's and that's the other part of it too. The thing that makes Pasternak particularly special is that he doesn't need a center to always, you know, carry carry his lunchbox. In fact, I don't think he needs any center to carry his lunchbox. He is the equivalent in terms of wingers now. He's the equivalent of guys like Artemi Panarin and Patrick Kane who could create their own offense. He doesn't need a center to be able to do that. That's something that Pasek has become exceptionally good at, creating his own offense. And I think more than anything else, what you're seeing with Pasenak is someone whose passing ability is becoming more and more apparent. His shot has always been there. He's got a pretty good one-timer. And what you're seeing is a player, a goal scorer at that, whose game is really evolving right in front of our own very eyes. But yet somehow he lands on the overrated list. (laughs) What a joke. What a joke. And last point I will I will make on this particular topic in terms of David Pasenak. The one thing I will give Pasenak credit for is that he's found a very similar home office to Alice Ovechkin in terms of scoring. Because he's earned a reputation of scoring one-time daggers from the left-wing circle, something that Alice Ovechkin has created a complete career out of doing. Huh? But you know what's interesting is that he also has learned to be able to to score with the step snap wrister and that wrist shot that he has. Wicked, wicked sweet. It's not just the, the slap shot, the wrister that he possesses, and and that he's also gotten really good and especially tremendous. Creating creating opportunities right off the rush off entries, getting a puck down, you know, piling up, making a little touch plays, seam passes, things like that. This is what Pasek has gotten really good at, and yet somehow, Pasenak is overrated. And like I said, I like to know what are these people smoking in that particular um, athletic poll in terms of who which player is among the most overrated in the league. Because to me, that made absolutely no sense. Zero. Zero. Coming up next, there's a particular coach who is still a free agent right now. I find it to be really interesting. My thoughts on that particular coach, if you will. That is coming up next right here on the Whole Champions Podcast with your host, Shukri writes. Welcome back to the Hello Champions podcast with your host, Shukri writes. Final segment of the pod here with you as there is one particular free agent among head coaches in the NFL, that is, that is still without a job. We're going to talk about it. While some people would say that they're on surprise, but there is a just a small little tad bit of a surprise factor into this particular head coach I'm about to talk about, Bill Belichick. 
Bill Belichick, as of right now on January 31st, is still without a head coaching job. And I can see why. I can see why Bill Belichick is without a head coaching job. If anything else, I can't say I'm absolutely surprised. Bill Belichick, when it seemed that he would more than likely get the job as a head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, is when the rug got pulled out from underneath him. It's basically like you went on two dates with the girl that you're really interested in. Things go seemingly well. But by the second date, you start to see some red flags that lead you to think that, hey, this is probably a good idea to get out of Dodge while you still can. That is what happened with the Atlanta Falcons. Hence why they went with Raheem Morris. Bill Belichick was considered for the Los Angeles Chargers job. He was passed on, and they went with Jim Harbaugh, former head coach at Michigan, national champion head coach, and former NFL head coach when he was with the Niners, as well as their new head coach. And with other job openings for head coaching around the NFL being apparently there, it's clear that none of those teams that are in need of a head coach are calling for Bill Belichick to walk through the door. Are you surprised? I don't know how you could be. This, after all, is a man who, once he gets the keys to the kingdom, or in this case, the keys to the to the Corvette, he wants full, total power and control over the Dominion. And unfortunately, no team in the NFL is willing to give him that kind of power because they all witnessed what happened in New England. They saw a man who had all the power in the world, and with that same power, unfortunately ran the New England Patriots into the ground. I said it before in past episodes of the Hub of Champions podcast, the fact that the, that the Patriots went 4-13 and this past season, that's on Bill Belichick. The fact that Tom Brady was allowed to walk out the door of the New England Patriots and go play and finish his career, his surefire Hall of Fame career at that, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's on Bill. The league saw what Bill did over the last four years post-Tom Brady, and they saw that he has a losing record. So the fact that Bill Belichick is, is currently without a job and very likely will not get hired this season to be a head coach in the NFL doesn't surprise me. In fact, it shouldn't surprise anybody if we're being completely honest. What I also find interesting is this, is that so much has been made about Bill Belichick. Would he make for a good analyst or broadcaster and so forth? Personally, I think he make for one fine studio analyst. Color analyst? Nah, I don't know. But studio analyst? Maybe NBC, CBS, Fox, maybe. 
I do think so. Because the knowledge, the football knowledge, I should add, and the experience in the game that he has is second to none. No one at any of the major networks between ESPN, Fox, CBS, and NBC that carry NFL games would even match the level of years of expertise and success that Bill Belichick has had in his time in the NFL. And all that matters for something. If anything else, I want you all to go back and watch the NFL 100 shows in which that Bill Belichick was part of the panelists there. That was a pretty good inkling as to just how good he can be as an analyst for any of the networks. It's a shame that his own ego and his own pride has brought him his his own undoing as an NFL head coach for now. Only time will tell as to whether he will get another shot as a head coach in the NFL again. However, I do think he does have a second calling as a studio analyst for, for any of the networks. Hell, even NFL Network. Why not? The man has the encyclopedia knowledge of the game unlike anyone else in the NFL, probably in the world. Bill Belichick, for 2024, it wouldn't be the worst idea if he decided to take a TV job. Because I think he would actually be a pretty damn good TV analyst. The fact that people are saying that, no, I don't think he would be. He He's very dry behind the mic at the press conferences. How you are behind a press conference is different versus how you are on TV. How you are when you're having phone conversations is different in comparison when you're behind a mic doing a broadcast or a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. You can't take the personality of someone in one particular setting and apply it to all settings, whereas that person will be more than likely be the same in every other setting that there is out there. That's not fair, and that's not likely the case for everyone. So right now, I will tell you this. Bill Belichick, he makes for one good studio analyst, but right now him being on the sidelines waiting for an NFL head coaching opportunity that is likely not going to come his way for the 2024 season, maybe there's some good in that. Perhaps it would be better served for him to take the year off because you're just fresh off that 4-13 and season. No one is going to be in any sort of rush to want to hire you after such a putrid season in New England. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Hubbard Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights. I will talk to you again next time. Take care, everybody, and have a good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.